you turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, if you would, please. Last Thursday, we had the opportunity to celebrate the 223rd official Thanksgiving in these United States of America. It was first instituted by George Washington, who was the President of the United States at that time. It's a wonderful time in our nation where we gather, most of us gather with our families and we give thanks to God, not only for our families, but the incredible blessings that he has given to us. And I know for myself, Pastor Dean and myself, as Florence police chaplains, we're called to what you've heard in the news, the double murder and suicide. And it got me to thinking as I contemplated that, how thankful I was, you know, to just be here. You can just come any day to work and something happens and you meet the Lord. And it's just a blessing to be alive. But I also want to thank God for a church family. It's so wonderful. I happen to be a cancer survivor, and it was so wonderful to know that as I walked through on that road and all the challenges that cancer uh, brings to you, that I didn't have to walk that road alone, that there's a church family back home who was praying for me and who was walking with me. And I can't tell you what that means to you. And by the way, if somebody asks you, why should I come and be a part of a church? That's a pretty good reason. Pretty good reason, isn't it? But I also want to thank you, my fellow people at Nova Community Church. In all that you've done to make the consolidation of our two churches such a, such a success, because without you, it could not have happened. As God's Spirit worked among you, here we are. Next, next Sunday, we'll celebrate one year of our consolidation. But I also want to be thankful. I also am very thankful to be a part of such a wonderful church pastoral staff. We've got on our staff old-timers like me and a little bit of old-timers like Pastor John. <laughs> way on down to the young timers and we're different ages we're sometimes different nationalities and uh, we have different gifts and different personalities but you know we really like each other and we get along just great and it's such a privilege to be a part of that but like you I'm sure you'll join with me that our greatest thanks is turning our eyes upon Jesus and looking full into his wonderful face. And all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So thankful to be a part of Jesus' team. Well, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6 today. Uh, it's a story about uh, an extraordinary man by the name of Daniel. But before we do, let's bow for a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, that we can come again and look into your powerful word as a church family. And I'm just asking that your power, the power of your word, will absolutely permeate and radiate in me and in each one of us who gathered here together that as an end result, there will be changes, there will be transformations, commitments, as you prepare us, Lord, to live a life radiated with Jesus. This we ask in your precious name. 
Amen. Max Ocado, in his book, God Came Near, Chronicles of the Christ, tells of an extraordinary pitcher who performed few extraordinary feats. His name is Don Sutton. Now, probably many of you have never heard of his name, but he was a veteran of 21 seasons. In only one did he win more than 20 games. He never pitched a no-hitter, and only once did he lead the league in any category. His analysis of his pitching career is worth noting, and I quote, I am a grinder and a mechanic. I never considered myself flamboyant or exceptional, but all my life I found a way to get the job done, end quote. And so through two decades, through six presidential terms, four trades, he consistently won games. He boasted none of the stardom of a Denny McLean, the last 30-game pitcher, nor did he boast the sparkle of a Sandy Koufax. And while their careers came and went, Don Sutton was still on the mound getting the job done. The September 1968, or nine, I'm sorry, the September 1986 issue of Inside Sports Magazine called him the family sedan of baseball men on the mound. The Bible has its share of family sedans. If you don't believe me, read Hebrews chapter 11. It tells you about a few of them. And one of the family sedans of the Bible is an extraordinary man named Daniel. You read about him in the Old Testament book that bears his name. And before we concentrate on Daniel 6, let me give you a little background of this special man. As a youth of about 15 years of age, he was carried captive into pagan Babylon. And when I say pagan Babylon, it was pagan Babylon. He served the government for about 60 years during the reigns of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. At all times, he aspired to be faithful and dependable. And in the recorded account of Daniel chapter 6, which we're about to look into, he's now about 85 years old. And in all that time, all that time of serving God uh, faithfully, and being a man of dependability, what did he have to show for it? The people of Babylon still remained unchanged. The kingdoms had come and gone. The rulers were still idolatrous, wicked and cruel. And despite his rise to power, his people still remained in captivity. No revival went through the nation, the captive nation, and for all of his, of his integrity and his wisdom and his faithfulness, he reaped the jealousy of his peers and the hatred of the ungodly in a plot against his life. In fact, it ended up in a death sentence where he was cast into the lion's den from which God delivered him. And just aside, since it's Thanksgiving weekend, I never noticed this before, but as I was studying Daniel chapter 6, 
He found out that he was going to, you know, the, the, the decree that if anybody prayed to anybody except the king would be cast into the lion's den. He knew all about it, and he went to open window three times a day, just as like he'd done before, and he prayed. And you know what he did? It says he gave thanks. I thought about that. Thanks for what? He knows that as he's praying, he's coming into the lion's den. And those days, the lions were kept pretty hungry. And he knew that, but he gave thanks in spite of all the circumstances. He was one of those family sedans. He was a person who did not need to make a big splash, but just wanted to prove faithful to what he saw as a faithful God. God's looking for those kind of family sedans today. The kind of people who are his children who are faithful and dependable to the end. And Daniel paints a glorious picture, a beautiful portrait of a, of a family sedan in God's advancing kingdom. In essence, the characteristics of a dependable and faithful Christian life. I call your attention, first of all, to verses 1 through 4 of Daniel chapter 6, where you discover the first characteristics of a dependable and faithful Christian life, a family sedan in God's advancing kingdom. We discover there that it's the kind of life that handles its affairs faithfully. It handles its affairs faithfully. Follow along as I read in verses 1 through 4. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. And the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. From those passages, we discover that Daniel's on a fast track, fast track in the Persian government. In verse 3, it says, Daniel so distinguished himself by his exceptional qualities. And as a result, because he was good at what he did, intense jealousy characterized his peers. And he, became, he came under intense scrutiny. Verse 4 says, jealous colleagues tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. They tried to find some old skeleton in his closet, some old scandal in his background. But the end of all the search, the end of all the scrutiny was he was found to be uncorrupted. Verse 4 says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And I'm sure you go along with me, don't you long for a bunch of Daniels in our government today? In fact, very few people trust government people anymore. We don't have a trust in our government. Don't you long for a Daniel? 
people who are faithful and trustworthy in the affairs of life and government? And how about personally? When I think about it myself, if I came under the intense scrutiny like Daniel did, or if you did, would they find anything? Some skeletons in the past? Some old scandal? Well, only I can answer that for myself, and only you can answer that for yourself. As far as Daniel was concerned, he was a family sedan. I guess that's one of the reasons why my all-time hero is Billy Graham. I came to know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior under his ministry. I responded to one of his altar calls. I almost had the opportunity to meet him when I was pastoring a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We had become friends. My wife and I had become friends of his daughter, Gigi, and her husband, Stefan. He was getting his doctorate in Milwaukee. And I mentioned that to him one time, and he says, well, listen, he says, uh, I think it's around Thanksgiving. He says, Billy and, and Ruth are coming to our house. Why don't you stop by, and I'll introduce yourself. And I thought, oh, man, this is wonderful. I mean, I'm walking on water, you know. But a few days before we were supposed to come there, Stefan called me and said that Ruth had broken her ankle, and they weren't able to come. Oh, what a disappointment. But it's still one of the great desires of my life. The man's now 93 years old, and he's just written, recently writ, written a book called Growing Old. That's how to remain faithful to God, even in old age, when your body is failing you. Daniel was a trustworthy as a family sedan, faithful and dependable. And the family sedans of the Christian life are those who can handle, who handle their affairs faithfully. They are like Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, they could find no corruption in because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. But that, as we follow going on down to Daniel a little bit farther, we discover a second characteristic of a family sedan in God's advancing kingdom. And there we discover it's the kind of life that is faithful even in the most trying circumstances. They not only hold their affairs faithfully, but they are faithful even in the most trying circumstances. In the book of Daniel, we discover a little bit about his character. For instance, God gives a testimony about Daniel. If you go to, go to Daniel chapter 10, verse 19, God calls Daniel, old man highly esteemed. The biblical testimony of Daniel is in chapter 1, or Daniel 1, verse 8, where it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, even as a young man. It could have cost him dearly, but he determined that he was going to be faithful and dependable. And the coup de grace is the Persian queen's testimony about Daniel. I mean, that lady knew nothing about God and perhaps could care less about God. But here's her statement in Daniel 5.11. The queen's testimony is this, there is a man in your kingdom who is full of the divine Holy Spirit. The man made an impact. In short, he was a man of integrity. Several years ago, well, it's been a lot of years now, I was in my first church 
in kind of central Nebraska. By the way, it's about 25 miles from where Pastor John grew up, I found out. No? Born? He's born there. Yeah, it's called Loop City. He asked me one time that I knew, I, whether he knew where Ard was, and he said, absolutely. I, grew, I was born in Loop City. But there came a time, I was a young pastor in this particular church, and, and uh, I found out they were going to have a memorial service in another city called Central City, Nebraska, which is a few miles away. And they were going to have a memorial service for a, a missionary doctor, a medical doctor named Dr. Campbell. Dr. Campbell had served many years. He left his practice here, and he went as a missionary to serve in the hospital in the Congo. And he got cancer after several years, and it forced him to come home, and the cancer was in remission. So he set up a practice in Central City. But the cancer came back, and finally he succumbed to it. And I decided I wanted to go to this memorial service to hear about this great man. So I went, and I was sitting in the pew, and as the service began, his wife walked down the aisle with her children, nine of them. And she was pregnant with her tenth. And I noticed that as the service went on, she kept patting her kids on the back and comforting them. But I remember the message. It's on a very simple uh, passage of scripture. It says, Enoch walked with God. And the pastor uh, defined what walking with God was all about. It means to order your behavior in the severe of God. And he went on to tell how Dr. Campbell walked with God. And I determined then as a young pastor that I would live a life that I hope that people will someday, when God called me home, whenever that would be, that people would say that about me, that Ron walked with God. What greater eulogy could you have that he walked with God? He was faithful and dependable. But notice verses 7 through 10 of Daniel chapter 6. We discover Daniel's faithfulness. It says the royal administrators, the perfects, trap traps, advisors, and governors had all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree, the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And so King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to the upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Not even a death sentence hanging over his head that was attached to an irrevocable decree kept him from being faithful. Well, he was cast into the lion's den. But notice Daniel's testimony in verses 19 through 22. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. 
In essence, he said, it's a God thing, O king. It's a God thing. There's nothing special about me. It's a God thing. When I was pastor of church in Playa del Rey, California, we had a, some years back, a little tiny lady in our church. She was about four foot ten and soaking wet. She maybe was 80, 90 pounds. She had dislocated hips, and so she could walk with crutches. Well, cancer finally struck her body, and it became very, very serious. A tumor wrapped around her spine and is inoperable. This lady had a marvelous testimony, and they put her in a bed that's used for burn patients. You know, they blow air through it, so you're suspended. And I knew the pain she was in. But every time I'd go to visit her, uh, her face would just be glowing. And she'd tell me about how she, she, she could almost feel Jesus in the room and how she talked to him. He talked back to her. And so I went to encourage her, but I always came away encouraged by her. Well, she eventually succumbed, and we had a memorial service. And she happened to be at the time in Daniel Freeman Hospital, which was a Catholic hospital. And I noticed out in the audience at her memorial service, the head nun and several nuns, I forget how many, but several nuns from the hospital were in that memorial service. And after the service, they came up to me and they said, uh, Pastor Ron, we just felt that we needed to come here to pay honor and tribute to Alice. She was a woman who loved Jesus with all her heart. And even amongst all of the pain she was, her relationship with Jesus was undaunted. And we'd go in there to pray with her and bless her, but always left being blessed by her. And we just wanted to give thanks to God for Alice and what she meant to our life. Alice was a family sedan of the Christian faith. A Daniel kind of person is one whose life is shaped not by work, not by their portfolio, not by their family, but their life is shaped by God. It's a life of faithfulness and dependability no matter what. No big splash, just reliable. It's a life of reliability. The word reliable means to be responsible, and the prefix ray means to be over and over again responsible. So having said that, let me just give some thank yous. Thank you, worship team, for being at your post day after day and week after week and being faithful and dependable and leading people like me and others in worship before God. Thank you, senior saints of Noah Church. Thank you for, your gener for a generation of prayer and forest clearing. Thank you, teachers, for countless hours of lessons prepared and delivered. Thank you, board members, for your tireless efforts in the care of the church. Thank you, choir members, nursery workers, who show up Sunday after Sunday. Thank you to those who work behind the scenes, unnoticed, but always faithful. Thank you to all who practice on Monday, 
what you hear on Sunday. Thank you for those who spent selfless hours with hurting people in meetings on your knees. Thank you for being family sedans in God's advancing kingdom. My exhortation to you, keep pitching. Keep on pitching. Your hall of fame reward is just around the corner, and Daniel will be standing right beside you. And one day you will hear, according to Matthew 25, 21, and 23, you will hear God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. As a pastoral staff of this church, we declare with the Apostle Paul what he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 through 20. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? You are our glory and joy. Be faithful even to the point of death, Jesus said in Revelation 2.10, and I will give you the crown of life. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, maybe you're here today, and maybe you're one of those people who has succumbed to the lion of temptation. And as we close in prayer, now is the time to overcome that lion and to have victory. Just cry out from the depths of your soul, God, forgive me. And then repent of it and welcome God's forgiveness in and go being delivered. Maybe you're in a bunch of a den of lions right now as a whole lot of things and circumstances have come upon your life. Be a Daniel reliable family sedan. Our Father, thank you so much for people like Daniel who are such an example to us. And in our world, as, it, as we read the scripture, it enters closer and closer the time when you will come again, Father. Living the Christian faith will be harder and harder. May it be said of us, that we are family sedans of the Christian faith. And that chair that we occupy on Sunday morning, we're there. And all the ministries of the church, public and behind the scenes, we're there. May we be faithful and dependable people of God. We need your help, Father. We need the strength from you. Help us to be the Daniels of today. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.